0: Hello and welcome to God in Film, the podcast where a Christian and an atheist dive into the best the cinema has to offer and see if we can find any parallels with Gospel or any other Bible stories. I'm podcaster and hot dad at the nursery gate, Giles Goff.
1: And I'm Kidderminster's sexiest woman and suspiciously atheist RS teacher, Natalie Minnicka.
0: And for this very special episode, we're looking at The Chosen, the show that seeks to depict the life of Jesus as seen through his apostles that is currently on to its third season. Now, Nah, I like so many things, forced you into watching this. <laughs> what yes, did you think did. of this show?
1: I, I did enjoy it. I don't think I enjoyed it quite as much as you did. No. Um I'm getting but that I, I didn't like you less for making me watch it
0: <laughs> which is impressive considering the amount of things i have made you watch and you like me <laughs> less for it okay i am clearly gonna need somebody to meet me on my levels of enthusiasm for this show so joining us today is the woman who swans in every flipping time we do something she's interested in the podcast and then disappears like a ghost when it's not hello it's me claire Giles's wife <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Clara. Hello, Hello,
2: Nat. Nice to be
0: here. <laughs> Yay! Hello, sweetheart. So this show is a bit of an unusual choice uh, for us for a podcast episode because normally I'd like to know pretty much everything there is to know about a show before we decide to do an episode on it. However, every Easter, what we're trying to do is do at least one episode on something that is explicitly uh, a God film, a Christian film, or Christian show. So I had a bit of a rush to get this one done. So full disclosure, we'll only be focusing on The Chosen Season 1 in this episode. We haven't even seen the special Christmas episode. We've literally only seen what's on Netflix. But hopefully that gives us an opportunity to revisit it at a later date. Claire, what did you think of this show?
2: I really love it. I've got to be honest. I think mm-hmm. partly probably the reason why we're such big fans is the novelty value of getting an actually quality Christian production. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Which does yes. not happen that often i'm going to be honest <laughs> yes. it's no just no so wobbly weird.
1: sets and mm-hmm. um yeah. hammy acting no no one deciding to use the king james version of the bible <laughs> to, yeah. to to get their lines from as someone that
2: has uh, has experienced quite a lot quite a lot of christian media of varying kinds mm-hmm. the quality is it is variable <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's interesting i think there's there's some uh, very 21st century phrases in there sometimes when it says things like when uh, when simon is saying to his wife eden i've got this and you're like that's that's a very modern particular phrase but i think for me with any kind of christian art you have to do something that will help you relate to it in some way Mm. shape or form help to relate to the audience that you're talking about so it doesn't bother me so much that a first century uh, Jew would say something like that. I think it's interesting, you can sometimes hear just a very slight tonal shift in the language when jesus is talking and it's been something that's been scripted by the script writers mm, versus yeah, I found that. something that's actually taken directly from scripture
1: i can't say i picked up on that honestly but i'm not I as discerning as
2: you are <laughs> yeah i
1: think i did but i think partly that's because there's so many passages in the new testament that i'm intimately familiar with from having taught them like mm-hmm. oh i know mm-hmm. this bit um yeah.
2: yeah i do know what you mean and there is a kind of an inherent forna- formality sometimes i think that comes with things directly from scripture that just sort of seems to happen <laughs> um, yeah. yeah but l- like I say that the quality of this I was incredibly impressed by especially given that so many Christian things tend to be low budget not especially good acting Aww. and mm-hmm. incredibly cheesy it's just really refreshing to see something that actually draws me in and makes me want to watch it and that doesn't make me cringe all the way through it
0: <laughs> we've got a Christ depicted here who is doing simple things like Making toys for kids, and who is just doing simple things like turning up at a wedding because his mum wants him to, and he's so gentle and he's so loving and he's so relevant.
1: I tell you what, I I really did like is I mm-hmm. love the characterization of Jesus because I think often when you when you read the Bible, the text is is so formal, and in previous um, depictions of Jesus, they tend to because obviously you've kind of got the human and the divine in one and i yeah. think previous depictions often really focus on the divine and they make jesus this kind of otherworldly being mm-hmm. which obviously that that is that's part of him but he was also just a dude and um yeah. i what i really liked was that um, he just seemed really nice and friendly yeah. and I think like even if he wasn't someone who was able to perform miracles you could still see how he would get a following regardless mm. of the miracles like he he just seemed to be someone who like I want to sit down and have a chat with him like yeah. I have had quite a hard day today and I feel like a chat with Jesus would probably, like, probably help, um, yeah. and that's coming from an atheist. So yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I just want—I
1: I want him to hug me and tell me everything will be all right. <laughs> I know,
0: right? <laughs> so obviously, we wanted to find out more about this show. So what we did was we sent a reporter to Texas, where it was filmed, to interview the showrunners and the stars of the show. And by "we sent," what I mean is I found a journalist who had already been there and done it, and just asked him if he wanted to be on the show and uh, to tell us all about it and i did and he said yes i'll let him introduce himself
3: hello i'm sam Hales. i'm the editor of premiere christianity magazine and the editorial director for premiere sam it
0: is such a joy to have you on the show thank you so much for coming on board today we really appreciate it
3: it's great to be here
0: so For those that don't know, and let's be honest, that was me like a month or two ago, what can you tell us about The Chosen?
3: The Chosen is the first ever multi-season portrayal of the life of Jesus. So you'll know, Giles, there have been many films made about the life of Jesus Christ—some mm-hmm. good, some not so good, perhaps. Um, but there's never been a whole series, so a TV series. Series each episode's about an hour long. And what's really interesting about The Chosen is because it's a multi-season portrayal. They can do, I think, seven seasons. Oh, really? It means that you can go into some some depth about uh jesus and about Mm -hmm. some of the characters so you don't just find out about jesus you find out about how people very different backgrounds view jesus at the time and the whole show is really constructed around this one word plausibility so it's although it's being faithful to scripture it's asking that question is it plausible that this might have happened and filling in lots of interesting often biographical detail that we don't get explicitly from the gospels but i think for the for the most part is very plausible
0: absolutely i i found it um fascinating i also think Bringing in seven seasons of it, or, or bringing in the the fact that it is a um, multiple series thing, really brings in a layer of tension that I wouldn't have felt before. When it's when it's the Passion of the Christ, you know that something really bad is going to happen to Jesus for the next two hours or however long you're watching it. I'm I find myself almost a bit anxious to watch it sometimes because I'm like. I know where this story's going, and yes, I know I know it has a happy ending, but I know it has a really gruesome climax to it, effectively. So it's, it does make you quite anxious about a story that is 2,000 years old. Do you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those stories where you... As a Christian, you know exactly what's going to happen. You know you know where it's all going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's going to take a while to get there. A few more years yet until we get to the, the crucifixion and, and the resurrection. And there's such a huge fan following of mm-hmm. The Chosen that those who are really into it are already asking what happens when and i think it, i think it's seven seasons it may be six right but you, you know what i mean it's it, it it's some time yeah. people are already asking well, what are you going to do after that um, um i had the great privilege of of traveling to uh, to texas where they filmed the chosen um, meeting the director meeting some of the cast and the crew and i did ask them as much as i possibly could you know what are you going to do when the chosen wraps up and they they really refused to give any kind of details at all if i had to guess i think once they've done obviously crucifixion resurrection it wouldn't surprise me if they then start going into acts because yeah. I think acts is you know logically follows on from that time.
0: I mean, it is the sequel, isn't it?
3: Exactly. That, that's my <laughs> best guess, but no one's no one stated that officially. I couldn't get them mm. to even off the record; they would not tell me.
0: Okay, so I'm up to date with the first. Like I said, I was I'm exceptionally late to the dance on this show. I'm up to date with the with the first series. You've seen the second series. You were on set for some of the third series filming. In the most spoiler-free way possible, what can we expect in season two and season three if that's possible?
3: Yeah, it's a really good question. A couple of things. First thing I'd say is the production. The production Mm -hmm. goes up a notch in a big way for season two. So if you've only seen season one, I don't know about you, Giles, it looked quite dark in places that just the lighting, it didn't quite work for me. What did you think? (laughs)
0: essentially the 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 vast majority of it is people talking in rooms which from a, a director's standpoint is the easiest thing to to film the most logistically complex thing i've seen so far is the man being uh, winched down into the th- through the roof into see jesus but i think yeah. the 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 thing for me is the character study is so engaging that y- you don't notice it like when, when it comes to a Christian production, how can I put it? The shonkiness is built in, where you're kind of expecting it to be bad. And so for me, when I, even though I can see that it's just people talking in fields or talking in rooms. It's so well written. It's so well performed. I'm not conscious of that. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I've I've had the misfortune of watching a few Christian films in my time, and mm. most of them are pretty awful from a from a production standpoint. And that's what is refreshing about the Chosen. So even season one, it's good. I'd say it's good. I would describe season two as significantly better on on production values. Um, and uh, I think what's exciting is is Dallas uh, Jenkins, the director, when I interviewed him about this, he said, we've done it again for season three. Right. It goes up a notch again. And so when I went to Texas, one of the things I did was tour the film set they've built from scratch. Mm-hmm. And, and you're literally walking around a village, um, a village of Capernaum, and you're walking around, you know, sizable kind of area. And you're like, well, this is where Simon Peter's house is. <laughs> and over there, you can see the synagogue and, and here's the market. And the, the fruit and veg on the market looks very real, mm-hmm. but of course it's not. So... Um, Um, I was very impressed touring around that that film set that they have purpose... It's a purpose-built film set just for The Chosen, Um, but it's even next to this lake in Texas, which is obviously doubling up uh, as the Sea of Galilee for their purposes. Um, And so it's very, very professional. So I suppose the first thing I'd say in terms of season... Season two and then season three is is the production levels are always going up. But I, I would want to emphasize that if you are someone who's really into your films and your TV and and you are frustrated sometimes at the lack of quality Christian filmmaking, I would stress that the Chosen is not that. Yeah. You know, even even from the very first episode, I would argue it's it's a much it's a significantly higher standard than some of the other productions that I've personally seen. So that's the first thing, production. I think the second thing is just what you said, Giles, about character development. That just carries on and. And really, I suppose each episode is can be quite hard hitting mm-hmm. and quite emotional as you watch a different character interact with Jesus, and and I, and I think what I love about that is the, the the feedback that you hear time and time again for people who watch The Chosen. People often say things like, "I watched The Chosen with my teenage son, my teenage daughter, and they really like watching it." And then when the episode finishes, they say. Mum, Dad, was that was that really in the Bible? And it's actually, you know, when people say this is sending my teenage kids back to the scriptures to check if it really happened that way, I think they're doing something right, you know, because I, I think not many things can do that. Yeah. So um yeah, yeah, and then it's impossible to kind of really deal with the spoiler question, uh, because as you say, it is it is based on scripture. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were things even from season one that I, I found I found kind of fascinating. You know, this idea that perhaps G- before Jesus started his official ministry, might he have gathered a small yeah. group together? What would that community have have looked like? Um, and and I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that in season two, there's a fascinating episode that really is is take they take just one verse from scripture from the gospels where it says that uh, the, the verse says something like. And all in the local area who needed healing came to Jesus and he healed them. So there's one line in the Gospels. So they take that one line and then they imagine what would that look like? Mm. Because we, I mean, I don't know about you. I just read that verse and think, okay, fine. But what would that have meant? If the, everyone in the local area heard there was someone who could heal them, how long would the queue be for a start? And, and how would Jesus have set that up? Because he wouldn't have been on some stage. Yeah. Um, you know, where would, would he have set himself Would there have been a healing tent? What would his prayers have looked like? What would the disciples... So there's all these kind of of questions that we don't get specific answers to in the Gospels, but the filmmakers have had to imagine what the answers to some of those questions might be, and it's turned into, I thought, a really astonishing episode that imagines what that cue would be like and how Jesus would have healed all those people in one day.
0: 100%, definitely. So what is it about this show in particular that has had such an impact? Because it is really quite a runaway success, isn't it?
3: yeah, and what's unusual about it is is actually the the funding model. Um, and so the funding model of the chosen it's entirely crowd funded and and what that means is they've relied on i think mainly Christians mm-hmm. around the world to donate towards the production costs, and the production costs are very significant. you know, we're talking millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. but I think because because it is so well done, I don't think they've struggled too much to get the investment, mm. uh, which I find very encouraging from a Christian point of view. I think as we as Christians, if we can do things well, God will provide the money, um, yeah, is my, my analysis of it. Um, and um, so it's a very unusual way of making TV. Um, and it's it's broken some barriers, I think, uh, according to the producers of The Chosen. They're saying, you know, other people in, in kind of, tv hollywood circles are now looking at, at this as a legitimate future funding model for other things the idea that if you produce something decent the audience might actually want to um get behind it uh, and so that's been quite unusual is, is the way this has come about is entirely through crowdfunding
0: that's fantastic listen sam thank you so much for talking to us today i really appreciate it and taking your time out your schedule it's uh, it's it's going to make such a big difference
3: Thanks so much, Giles. It's been a, been a pleasure to chat. And um, if people are interested in my trip to Texas to uh, to have a look around The Chosen, I have written an article all about it, and you can read that at premierchristianity.com forward slash The Chosen.
0: Nice little plug there, very smooth. We'll put a link in the in the show notes for the episode. Nicely done, sir. Thank you very much. Hey, guys. It's Editing Giles here. Just stopping by to tell you that if you go to www.patreon.com forward slash God in Film podcast and sign up to our Bishop Waller Bridge tier you can hear additional interviews and special bonus episodes like our God in Music and God in Gaming episodes and now if you absolutely can't wait to hear more from us you can hear the next episode on Superman before everybody else if you just sign up to our Archbishop Spike Lee tier and now back to the show. Okay Nat, Claire, That was Sam Hales, editor of Premier Christianity. What did you think?
1: I am really jealous that he got to go and visit the set. Um, And I'm actually, can I just say, really surprised. I didn't think it was set, it was filmed in Texas. No, me neither, (laughs) that surprised me too. I was like, oh, they they went to Galilee. Um, Who knew that that Texas was um, so verdant and sandy. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> no re- that was really interesting yeah
0: i was talking off mic with sam and he told me about some of the criticism that dallas jenkins had been facing i think the thing that surprised me about it was finding out that people had been giving dallas jenkins a hard time for heresy and, uh, and oh, really? and cri- yeah criticizing him uh, for for not getting everything exactly right and not being completely this biblical. does
2: not surprise me in the slightest. Do <laughs> you know what?
0: I, sometimes I think some people just have to fill column inches. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, all,
2: I think all you've got to do is do like a historical fiction of Jesus, which I guess is essentially what it is really. Mm. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fiction. Um. Like if you're going to put any words in the mouth of Jesus that aren't literally in the Bible, you're always going to get people that are going to come with that argument.
0: Well, any kind of um, Christian fiction as well, because the shack got absolutely slammed for it as mm. well. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, oh. uh, so anything short of the passion of the Christ, and even then that has a, one or two inaccuracies in it. So oh. haters going to hate. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: I think you're you're always going to get that if you have any kind of interpretation that's not literally direct words from the Bible this I, but like people struggle to realise that stuff is fiction, and that you can yeah. use your imagination, and that's
1: okay. But <laughs> it's funny because like. I've only seen Passion of the Christ once when, again, Giles took me to the cinema to see it. (laughs) Did I do
0: that? Awesome. I have been working on you for a long time. I know.
1: Um, And yet I'm still an atheist, so work hard, Giles. (laughs) For now. Um, But no, my favourite bit in Passion of the Christ is something that was added in, which is Jesus inventing the dining room table. Yes. I love that. love that. I'm pretty sure that's not in the New Testament. No, it's not. And this (laughs) is the
0: thing. This show... So far is basically all of that, you know, that yeah. scene of, of yeah. like what happens before.
2: And that's so lovely because partly I think because the Bible is in translation, you do miss so much of the personality mm-hmm. mm. and that's what you need injected back into it. And that's what this does. And it's yeah. so it's really nice to have well,
1: that. Like I said, the characterization of Jesus, he's, he, you know, when you read him in the Bible, I, I the New Testament, I find an interesting obviously it's a it's a religious text but as a work of literature i've always found it slightly lacking it's like and then they went here and then they did this and he said and she said and it's like you know use an adjective occasionally and this is wait
0: did you not read john
1: yeah well john is just like pure poetry but yeah. it can be quite difficult to actually understand what point he's making he's a mm. he's got the the wordiness of the Pauline epistles as well. It's just like, dudes, get to the point. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that that's St. Paul. He he is what I would call a waffler. Um, um, he is somebody that if I was marking his letters as if they were an essay, I'd be writing <laughs> on the side, repetition, get to the point. But no, this is what I really like about The, um, the, the Chosen, is it's like it really humanises these figures that don't really get a lot of I don't know if you call it airtime page time it's like they mm. get a few lines of dialogue and this you have to read through between the lines for like who yeah. they actually are and that's 100%. what I did really like about it.
0: It reminds me of that line from uh, in Dogma where Chris Rock is playing Rufus the 13th apostle <laughs> and it says <laughs> about how it went from uh Jesus being 12 years old to being 30 yeah. and it's like that's some pretty poor storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> and and this is effectively trying to like fill in some of those gaps do you know what i mean
2: mm. yeah yeah and i think i've been feeling recently reading the bible like there's so much that you miss not getting jesus's tone mm. when he says something to someone there's things that he says to people and you're like oh, depending on how we said that it could be taken so differently um uh. so it's just nice to see a depiction of something which obviously i know is not like it's someone's interpretation of it. Mm. Um, but it's just nice to see it in, in flesh, as it were. <laughs> yes. <Yeah.
0: 100%. laughs>
1: the word made flesh.
0: Now it's time for <sighs> Finding the Faith in the Film.
1: Da we didn't rehearse that. <laughs> it's just become like a Pavlovian conditioned response now, isn't it?
0: When people don't do the, the sound, I, feel, I start to feel very uncomfortable throughout the entire thing. You know? So like
1: you could literally come into my house in the middle of the night, wake me from my sleep and go, finding the faith in the film, and I go, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, why, why are you in my house, Giles?
0: Well, I mean, I did do that that one time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a... Uh, <sighs> I'll be honest with you, a lot of this episode is going to be me and Claire just obsessively fangirling <laughs> over this show, and uh, I'm fully ready to embrace that. But there's one or two <laughs> things I'm going to pick out before we, we get to that, that I thought was interesting. So do you remember the first episode? That is, we, we talked about the the first episode being a little bit on the slow side, and yeah. uh, it's all told from Mary's perspective. Um, Mary Magdalene's mm. perspective but if you remember she's not credited as that in the at the beginning of the show can you remember she's what she's Lilith. called Lilith yeah Lilith okay so Lilith is one of those kind of characters that you know we talk about Christian headcanon mm. and Gilesian headcanon yeah Lilith is a Judaic headcanon basically she yeah. sort of stems from a bit uh, from interestingly a bit of mesopotamian mythology Mm. so lilith also spelled lilith lilitu or letus uh she's theorized to be the first wife of adam Mm. which is mental but (laughs) um do you know why okay this is gonna sound insane but do you know why they she's thought to be the first wife of adam
1: well i mean she turns up as a character in the sandman comics so, I'm going to save
0: you some time. She turns up as a, as a character in pretty much flipping everything. Yeah. In Lucifer and Supernatural. Well, Lucifer's
1: you... obviously Sandman Universe, so same yeah, yeah, Lilith. Yeah,
0: yeah, It is, but it's Sandman adjacent. Yeah. Um, so this is one of those things that comes down to just that the way Genesis is written is... could be interpreted a few ways. So what it comes down to is that in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, the creation of man and woman is described twice. Mm.
1: Yeah, my year nines S- notice that when I do it with them.
0: So instead of somebody just going, okay, somebody's just mentioned that in passing and now they're going into it in more detail, some Jewish scholars believe that that was two separate events. So
1: <gasps> That's interesting. I didn't yeah, know that. So,
0: in Genesis 1 27 there it goes so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them so that's Genesis 1 uh, verse 27 and interestingly that is the first bit of poetry in Genesis So that makes it also the first bit of poetry in the Torah and in the Bible and then we've got a slightly longer description are uh, in Genesis 2 20 to 24 um so the man gave names to all the livestock the birds in the sky and all the wild animals but for adam no suitable helper was found and i think that was a missed opportunity because can you imagine like adam having like a sort of disney style like parrot on his shoulder or
2: just yeah you can't tell me that he didn't have some mates you know among the animals Yeah, yeah
0: you know like a favorite lion or something so the lord god caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and while he was sleeping he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh then the lord god made a woman from the rib he had taken a man and he brought her to the man the man said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woe man for she was taken out of man that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh now that last uh, bit verse 24 we will be getting into that in more detail and jesus quoting it in our eternals episode so just wait for that one um <clears throat> interestingly i think in some translations he it suggests that he took the man's side rather than the man's rib that was fascinating, uh, yeah. it was That's fascinating I anyway i can get distracted like nobody's business and mm. we're here, we're talking about Lilith, so like I say there was these two descriptions of man and woman being created, right mm. and then somebody goes, well hey what was the first one the f- The first wife, and then we get this Lilith, and Lilith becomes this kind of primordial she demon, again as you said similar to, to what we have talked about in Sandman, yeah. she's banished for the Garden of Eden for not obeying Adam because yeah. Women, you should do what you're Poor. told. Know your place. Women, or, or. know your place.
2: <laughs> I'm starting to see how the story came about.
0: <laughs> and she's thought to be mentioned in, in late antiquity. So quite late on that we're talking like, what, third to seventh century AD? Mm-hmm. In Jewish mythology sources from like 500... Uh, ad onwards now lilith appears in various concepts and localities that give partial descriptions of her she's mentioned in the babylonian talmud the talmud is uh, another kind of holy book of the, the well and it's more like if you imagine you've got the torah you know the, the first five books of the bible <laughs> the, the first five I was saying. the talmud is like a, a collection of like commentaries and sort of teachings from rabbis and stuff like that the there's uh there's a re- reference to like the jerusalem talmud which is because it was all oral trans, tra- um, yeah it was all, all oral traditions right so there's an earlier one called the uh, jerusalem talmud where they somebody kind of went guys do you know what i think we should probably write this all down yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> and then there's a later one in the babylonian talmud so anyway i'm getting off track because interestingly i know i've said she's complete head canon but she is actually mentioned in isaiah or rather more accurately she's mentioned in some versions of uh, of Isaiah Ooh. Isaiah 34:14 um there's a reference to to a lilith so if i read out the uh, the NIV Isaiah 34:14 desert creatures will meet with hyenas and wild goats will bleat to each other there the night creatures will also lie down and find for themselves places of rest whereas if we look in the amplified bible It'll say, the creatures of the desert will encounter jackals, and the hairy goat will call to its kind indeed. Lilith, brackets, night demon, will settle there and find herself a place to rest. So, honestly, if you look at all the different translations of this uh, this particular passage, you can find so many different versions. I think the yeah. the um, King James even refers to satyrs at one point. So <coughs> it wow. is just full-on crazy. So, As time goes on, Lilith kind of... You know what it's like. She kind of gets um, mixed in with other mythology. So Mm -hmm. qualities similar to the sirens in Greek mythology. She's also sort of compared to being thought of as like a succubus, which is a demon that seduces men. Mm -hmm. So I think when we think about the, the weight of all that particular nickname, it seems so incredibly cruel to give that to mary we see Mm. in like a flashback she's basically raped by a a roman soldier and there's there's some suggestion as to whether she had to turn to prostitution Mm. as a result and Mm. when you give her a name like lilith not only does it dehumanize her but it puts the responsibility for any sexual encounter she has Mm. solely on her do you know Mm. what i mean as if the as if the men have nothing to do with it
2: yeah, for sure. Yeah, That's really interesting. I mean, I guess it also relates to the f- like the demon possession side yeah. of things, but it's the fact that they've chosen that particular... You know, she's meant to be kind of a seducer kind of character, yeah. but they've chosen that particular one for her, which does seem very cool.
1: Do they... Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember from watching the episode. Is it made clear is that a name that's given to her or is it a name she's chosen for herself?
0: I can't picture anybody choosing that name for themselves particularly in like first century Judea uh, I know know obviously like with our sort of 20th and 21st century hats on the name Lilith has kind of been reclaimed as being Mm -hmm. like a sort of like powerful sort of female figure particularly in sort of like pagan circles and stuff like that but in this particular period I don't think they that a person would choose to give themselves that name. What I mean you know what is, I mean? like,
1: if she um, has already become possessed by demons at that point, mm. it could be a name that's like a warning, like "keep away from me."
3: Um, a
1: way of kind of like, well, do you know what? I'm clearly a bad person. Yeah. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna lean into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go all the way, and I can't be saved. So I might as well give myself the name Lilith, yeah. so at least people or- know what to expect
0: yeah yeah that's interesting or the other way of looking at it is with the with the sort of spiritual aspect on if we think of lilith as an actual demon it could be the actual demon lilith is
2: sort mm. of- What's the name yeah the name of the demon yeah also if she is engaging in sex work she's probably going to want to use an alias as well so yes. I mean that she chose that as her alias because mm-hmm. she doesn't want
1: to use her real name mm. doing that kind of work yeah. I no, did love a... the end of that episode though. I did not see that come in, when he just was like, "Mary, I'm like, what?" <laughs> yeah. And uh I didn't realize the Magdalen was of
0: Magdala, which Oh, did you not?
1: No, no. I just I just assumed it was a family name, but no, I guess it does make sense.
0: Yeah, so there's at this point there is more Marys than you can shake a stick Too <laughs> you know. Too many it's like they're all it's Mary's, like,
1: John's, and James's. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like the amount of women we know called Sarah or uh, Emma. Or, or Emma yeah. or Gemma. Flipping Gemma's all left, right, and centre, oh, you know? Yeah.
1: Gemma's. <clears throat> Falling out of cupboards and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> under the
0: bed. So there's there's Mary, there's uh, Maria, there's Mariam, there's all kinds of things. So you do need to distinguish them from one another. Yeah. Now Mag- Magdalene, I think, is a fishing village. I I might just be imagining that from the film Magdalene. Um, but uh, but yeah, we can come back to that. It's, it almost links to into just how they have... They have to give nicknames for people because so many people have got the same names, like <laughs> Big James and Little James, you know? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of giving names, there was something in, I think, episode three yeah. that you were particularly interested in.
2: Yeah, so episode three in particular is the episode with the children, mm-hmm. um, where Jesus, a couple of them kind of sneak into his camp, <laughs> oh. um, which I absolutely love that episode, because you're Partly because you're so used to, these days, you're watching a programme, you see a couple of children creeping into a lone man's camp and start interacting with him and you instantly go, oh no, it's going to be that kind of horrible show. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not like that's not referenced, that this is dangerous for them, um, to be kind of talking to a strange man. Um, But then it's so pure... It's so lovely, um, and Jesus gets to practice his ministry, and at the same time, just hang out with some great kids and have a nice time. I tell
1: you what, man, he is so patient. Having yeah. organised a birthday party for a dozen eight-year-olds last yeah. week, my tolerance for large groups of small children is yeah. it well. Jesus puts me to shame. Um, Yeah, yeah, I would not. Ten minutes, I'm done. (laughs) I teach teenagers.
0: (laughs) The thing I love about that episode is that it is a microcosm of what it's like to follow Jesus and what we're like compared to him. We're all the little kid, like, sort of tugging at his robe saying, but, but, but what... (laughs) what does that mean? what about this what does this word mean like can I can, <laughs> I can i can i go over there and do that no you can't do that but why cuz if you do you hurt yourself but what if i don't hurt myself you will hurt yourself but 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 can i do it anyway you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. i oh, so you met my daughter up. then <laughs> <laughs> it summed up the the perfect like metaphor for what it's like following god and and i just i love yeah. that yeah
1: i didn't yeah. pick up on that but no, that's really obvious yeah
2: yeah and the fact that he respects children
0: as mm. well i think
2: is so important like in our culture and probably in that culture then children don't get a huge amount of respect and aren't particularly listened to or paid attention to mm. a lot of the time and are seen as more of an annoyance and he really values them and what they have to say um,
1: how many children actually turn up in the new testament because there's references to like groups of children but are there any like Named children or no, children who you get wouldn't,
0: you wouldn't it's the same with the feeding the 5,000, it's like feeding the 5,000 men, you know. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you've got to remember in the Roman world, uh, a, a child, a, a, so many of them aren't actually surviving oh. infancy, yeah. That I think it's only after like their the first year or maybe even like three years, five years, years, I think should, five years yeah. before they're even sort of granted like status of being a person you know yeah. it's like oh right okay well it looks you've survived it looks like you're gonna stick around
2: yeah yeah um yeah so you're talking about names um and i picked up on um he calls one of the kids joshua the brave and i really loved that. it seemed like he gave him the name that he needed rather than the name that oh. him in that moment which i thought was really lovely and kind of Made me think, or maybe that's what he does with other people because he gives people kind of names or nicknames, and maybe it's the name that they need rather than the name that actually reflects them at that time. Like Simon being Peter the well, Rock. Yeah, this
0: this is the the, the point I was going I was going to get to. In that moment, it works as a joke, doesn't it? Oh, you know, Joshua the Brave, you know. But similarly with Simon being being named Peter, so sort of Petros, like Rock or, or Stone, yeah. it, and then he says to to sort of Peter you're the rock on which i'll build my church mm-hmm. peter is flaky af flaky af <laughs> we've, we've talked about this so like peter's my favorite apostle uh i bring him up a lot and he's flaky af but again this is this is how jesus is and what it's like when you're an omnipotent being you can make a joke that actually turns out to be completely 100 true yeah. and accurate you know mm-hmm. the next thing that really sort of jumped out at us was the next episode which is um the wedding gift the fifth episode i like that
1: i as one of my favorite bits of the the new testament because i could in my mind i always just picture it as like this mary kind of going jesus jesus do thing and jesus being like oh mom do i have yeah. to it's like come the, on you're showing me up
0: <laughs> the thing i enjoyed about it was where he turns up and it's the the, the mother of the of the groom is clearly a family friend to mm. them i love that thing that that relationship you have with people who are friends parents who are almost like sort of aunties and uncles but not quite in there so it's a bit like mm. oh how is jesus doing oh he's doing fine you know? <laughs> he's, he's doing okay you know yeah. and um i think the the thing i was thinking about was they they obviously tweak it a bit by making by putting thomas there <gasps> yeah thomas i was gonna say them, now obviously thomas is uh, if if the character I relate to the most is Peter you know like the the apostle who's a bit flaky sort of like bends in the wind um, and is a a bit like Uh, I like to think of myself like that Thomas is the disciple that you are most like oh you
1: literally beat me to it I uh because yeah yeah. I I, I would own that
0: (laughs) because like we call him doubting Thomas which I think is unfair because I think Thomas, the rational empiricist, seems to actually work a lot more, a lot better. Do exactly. You know
1: I mean? Whenever, whenever he, he pops up in lessons, I'm always like, I don't think asking for a bit of evidence and clarification is a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I am, I am a full blown Thomas, 100%. I will freely admit. And I don't, yeah. I, I see Thomas as just being the one who's like, I could imagine him like, okay, guys, 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 can we just, can we just take a second yeah. um i mean I'm, I'm not saying you're lying i just you're asking me to believe a lot here yeah. so um I a lot of faith here
0: yeah yeah there's this one just tiny tiny little scene um just before he does the miracle where um thomas says to him from the directions you have provided i see no logical solution to the problem and jesus you could almost see him roll his eyes and he just says it's going to be like that sometimes thomas
1: you know? <laughs> Yeah, I love that. <laughs>
0: first of all at that point i'm not sure if he's actually been introduced to him by name at that point yeah but just the yeah. way it says it's going to be like that sometimes it presupposes that thomas is going to join him do you know what yeah. i mean it's not saying uh not, he's not doing the follow me like he does with us it's just like yeah you're uh
2: you're gonna find that a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> this, you, you're gonna say this a lot, and it's it's gonna be only a little bit tiring, you know.
2: What is that? There's that moment. Um, I don't know if it's in the last episode. Yeah, what is he, Jesus says something like, "If you if you want to have." this disagreement every time i do something unexpected we're going to be here a while yeah. <laughs> he says it's going to be
0: quite annoying you know yes. Yes. then at one point jesus puts his hand after he's after the miracle's actually been performed jesus puts his hand into the stone jar and some of the wine trickles through his fingers oh, and yeah. it's Aww. red wine so it's foreshadowing the crucifixion to come, and the fact that like blood will be running down his hands and r- running through his fingers later on. Yeah,
2: in the dark light, it just looked a lot like blood dripping off his mm. hands. And I just
1: that was really oh, I didn't pick up watching. on that. No, that's 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 nice. A from bit a, of
0: symbolism. From a, from a filmmaking perspective, I, I I I absolutely loved loved that. I adored that. You know, mm.
1: um, I f- I found really interesting in that scene how jesus performed the miracle in private that he kind of ushered everyone out the room Mm -hmm. and i wonder. i i don't know like i i was trying to wonder like what what was his purpose there was it to kind of have 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 room for doubt because if he they saw him in the room doing it then it's like oh we have witnessed it there's no rational explanation it has to be a miracle whereas him being in the room with water and then no one seeing how it turns into wine it's almost like look guys you something's happened but you're going to have to just have faith in it and the fact yeah. that thomas is there as well um, i don't know maybe it's like uh, I, I maybe it's like you know you don't you can't always have absolute 100% proof of something you have to I- sometimes take things on faith
0: I, would yeah. str- I-, <clears throat>
1: I
2: think there could be a th- bit of that i also get the impression at this point that he's really trying to be low-key because he's just not he's not ready for everything to blow up uh, yet. yeah um and you see that quite often in the bible he'll perform a miracle and he'll say just don't tell anyone right now <laughs> yeah um I-, I think he's trying to pop like put off the time when everything just goes mad and you can't move for crowds. <laughs> mm. It's just not it's just not time yet. And that's the yeah. thing I
0: found was interesting was that it to me that just seemed like the human side of things. That I know I see what you're saying about like be able to give room for doubt, but honestly, mm. they're they're only just outside the other door. If mm. if the if anybody could believe that Jesus has somehow lifted these big stone jars, <laughs> replaced them with wine yeah. that just come Frankly, for me, that requires more faith, you know. We, it's uh, something
1: that, I um I teach with my when I do miracles within my year sevens, a little like thought activity we do is what could be a rational explanation that doesn't admit, let it be a miracle. And like some of the stuff the kids come up with is quite funny. It's like, well he had like he had like some like powder in his pocket that he added to the water and it yeah. made it taste like wine, or that like he just found some fats that they'd forgotten about and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> to
0: me this <laughs> Just, I, I'm, I feel like i'm going to provide a really boring explanation but to me this just feels like the human side of things mm. not that jesus is doubting himself necessarily mm. but performing an actual miracle even if you know that this is your destiny you still probably don't want to watch people doing it in the same way that you don't you don't we don't invite audiences to watch rehearsals you don't run a marathon for the first time by being at the marathon you do yeah. some things in private first yeah. until you're ready to show it to the outside world
2: i think that's a really good point also it's the first time he's done this and i guess maybe this is the first miracle he's performing he knows this is the start of something he knows this is the start of it and he just wants to take a minute with god in private Uh, To be like, okay, let's just do this one together on our own (laughs) before I have to start facing all of the people.
0: (laughs) And also, it's earlier than he expected as well. Mm. I think, how can I put this? I think, okay, if you know what's coming from his his perspective, if you know that you're going to start yourself on a path which is ultimately going to get you killed yeah and you know there's a purpose and you know there's a reason for it and you know that that is god's plan that's fine but for me i would just want to savor the last few moments of my old life Yeah, yeah you know
2: i can imagine that yeah
0: it's, it's this is a terrible example but do you remember when we moved house when we moved from the flats yeah to 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 the house we're in now, mm. and the reason we did that was because we needed a bigger place if we were gonna have a have a kid, mm. and for me that leaving that house symbolised it was no longer just gonna be jigger and clash, yeah, hip cool thirty something twenty somethings who were like the hottest married couple, but it's like okay <laughs> we're gonna move into being parents and hey yeah. we were cool,
1: um, <laughs> Claire was.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah. And it's just that, like it's that, that sadness. And, and again, this is me, this is me reading into it. But I think, I think sometimes it's like a reluctance to leave an old part of your life. Mm. Even if you know you, you've got to go into the, the new part of your life and it's good and it's proper and the rest of it, leaving yeah. that sad part behind might yeah, be it's hard, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, no, that um, makes
0: sense. The next thing I want to talk about was indescribable compassion. The next episode where they see Jesus heal a leper. You know, you see mm. what the leper's going through, how he's absolutely treated like mm. uh, as an outcast, and he just says, "Rabbi, if you are uh, if you're willing, uh, please heal me." And then a woman sees him do that, and then there's become like an impromptu thing around the house. Well, literally, it's like a town hall kind of question and answer session yes. about about mm. this. And they they just need like they, they've she's seen that this man can heal them. They've bought they brought their friend and first of all, you know you've got good friends when they're really willing to rip up a stranger's roof for you. Like, <laughs> do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. That was for, before you came along, my friends were the most important relationships I had in my life. and you're like, you you really want people to commit some property damage for you if yeah. it's if it's necessary, yeah, you know yeah, 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 And sure. she says to him, if you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. And that, Um, how can I put this? First of all, I, I really like the humility attached to it. Secondly, as somebody who has a, I don't know what the best way to describe like a chronic health condition and something that I've lived with for nearly 30 years, it's the, if you are willing, please. And the, the, the thing you find is like, even if even if he doesn't heal me, he's still God. Yeah. Does that makes sense. Yeah. It's and that's not,
2: flipping hard sometimes. <laughs> it's
0: it's incredibly hard. Especially it's even hard when you're seeing other people being mm. he, getting miraculous healings and stuff like that, you know? But it's not cupboard love. It's not you do this for me mm. and I'll follow you. It's like, no, you're you're God. You are the only game in town, you know? Yeah. And just the the look on the the fella's face after he's been healed and he's he's walking away, and it, like there's practically a, a riot sort of like coming in around yeah. him but he's just walking away like using his legs which he hasn't used in <laughs> yeah. so long, and he's the the tears of happiness running down his face, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. Aww. It really because like in the New Testament, miracles are ten a penny, and they're just happening all the time, and you forget the human impact of it. Mm. Um, and what the impact must be for that person walking away that's just had their life completely changed. Ooh.
0: The last thing I wanted to talk about was the the last episode where he meets the woman in the well in Samaria. And the
2: woman at the well, not in the well, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a different That would story. be way more fun. Though, <laughs> yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Help,
0: help me, I'm in a well. <laughs> oh, would you, you know? <laughs> so he meets a woman at the well, and he's like, um, "I'm really thirsty. Could you please give me some water?" He never does get that drink. He never gets that drink, <laughs> you know. And for some reason, she's able to tell that he's a he's a Jew, and she, it's just by looking at him. Yeah. And there's the, there's all the sort of tension between uh, the Jews and the the Samaritans and and uh, Samaritan, sorry, and uh, and just all that stuff. And he he's able to cut through that, and. I love the way I love the way the th- the thing for me that is the heart of this show is the way Jesus can make people feel.
1: Mm,
0: yeah. Mm. Yeah. Jesus can make you feel like he is like you're the most special person in the room.
1: Mm. And
0: I want to talk about a friend of mine who's probably one of the most Christ-like people I know. Uh, her name's Helen, Helen Allen, right? And back in 2011, she was she was nurse of the year and and we weren't we'd been in the same church but she was i was we we weren't really in the same circles you know she was like having raising kids and i was like desperately trying to find a girlfriend so we didn't kind of intersect that much but in 2012 she got nominated to uh run with the olympic torch
1: wow that's amazing
0: and when the olympics came up the, the torch obviously was going going everywhere. It even went through Bermaris back in uh, Anglesey, which is, uh, Anglesey's where I'm from. And because I was working that day, I couldn't go and see the torch coming through, um like a, a place I spent most of my time, a lot of time growing up. So the, the next best thing I could do was go to Chester and watch somebody who was basically an acquaintance at this point, um just run through hmm. the run through the town carrying the torch for with for the thing, you know? And I took my camera and I thought, oh, I can get some photos of church. It'd be good publicity, blah blah blah. And we're there, we watch it she she runs through, the entire crowd is cheering as Helen runs in with this torch. And uh, they do the the handover, the next person starts running and she's um she's you know she she she's she sort of gets to relax at that point and all her family are coming up and they're hugging her and the rest of it. And then afterwards, Helen sends me a text message saying, Giles, thank you so much for being there. It really made my day. <laughs> I was like Okay. And I thought she was just being, you know, she's, she's had all her loved ones around her, all her friends and family have come to cheer her on. She has had, like, the literal city of Chester cheering her on with yeah. every step. But she says, you coming really made my day. Yeah. And I thought, okay, she's well, Helen's nice. a, she's a very positive person. She's she's very effusive. Um, she's, like, an encu- the encourager in chief. I thought she's just saying that to be nice. And I, I picked her up on this one time a few years later. And she said, and I was like, you said, yeah, this and I said, "No, don't be ridiculous." I mean, like, yeah, okay, those people were cheering for me, but they were going to cheer for anybody. And my family, well, you know, they pretty much had to be there, didn't they? <laughs> you, you didn't have to be there, and you came all that way to see me, you know. Uh. And she just made me feel so important, so special. And for me, I think that's just a glimpse, like just through a glass darkly, of how Jesus can make each person feel mm. when He says, "You know, I came." I came to Samaria just to see you. And he says that mm. to the woman. And it just makes her feel amazing and feel so seen, you know?
2: Mm. Are you saying that? I wanted to bring up a, a little um, thing that happens when Jesus speaks to Simon's wife, Eden, I think her name is. Yeah. Um, And just says something along the lines of, I see you and I see the sacrifices you're making and I want you to know that it's important. Yeah. And, Aww. oh, I nearly teared up at that point. <laughs> because, like, the amount that women then must have had to do that was just completely unthanked and unseen. Um, I can't imagine. And I mean, there's a great deal that women do now that's unthanked and unseen, yeah. but then it must yeah. have been even worse. <laughs> um, um, so I really, really loved that, that he just saw her and yeah. just let her know that he saw her. Um, and like, we know that women followed him Um. a lot on the, on, were just as taken by him as, as the men were that followed mm. him. Obviously, we hear less about it, but we know that women did follow him and that a lot, women were among a lot of the first disciples and the first um, members of the church. And so he must have given them a reason. Mm. Um, and this really does it for me that he, I, I really can imagine that he just saw women in a way that they weren't used to being noticed. <laughs> yeah. Made them feel important and valuable as much as the men were. And that just really struck struck me and stuck with me.
1: Yeah. I have three things that I'd like yeah. to just mention. First of all, for Autistic Matthew. Yeah. I yes. love him. I yeah. mean, like I Googled it because I remember I was watching it. I was like, hang on a second, this characterization. I recognize yeah. this. And I Googled it and it was obviously a very deliberate choice. And the, um yeah. who's the guy that made, is it Dallas? Uh, Dallas it Jenkins. Yeah. So he said he wanted to show that like, Uh, the kingdom of god is for everyone Mm. um and i think that is you know you you obviously autism has always existed it it wasn't just invented in the 90s which some people kind of argue but um and like of course you would have had autistic people back then and of course they would have ended up probably working as tax collectors if they were quite good at maths which which a lot of autistic people are not wanting to generalize but it is part of the stereotype and so it was quite nice to see that (laughs) do you
0: know the other the other thing that jumped out at me from that was um simon peter's reaction to when he tells matthew uh, when jesus tells matthew follow me yeah and i think that the thing we so often forget is that jesus isn't aligned to any party political view jesus wants everybody to follow him so there will be followers of Jesus who you don't like and don't agree with they might they might even turn up at your church wearing a maga hat
3: but Jesus <laughs> loves them
0: just the same you know and it's a challenge for us to love them just as much as Jesus loved them and that's what we're yeah. that's what we're called to
1: my second point that i just something that popped into my head actually while you were talking and um I didn't really notice it um, until I've just thought about it now. But how people don't call Jesus teacher; they call him Rabbi. Mm-hmm. And then with the the you know Nicodemus being made into such a big character, I think one thing I did quite like about this is that unlike other Christian dramas, it doesn't shy away from the fact that this started off as a Jewish religious movement. And it it kind of embraces that that this Christianity did become obviously a distinct religion but it has its roots incredibly deeply in judaism and i like yeah. that the um that that is reflected here that jesus is jewish and his followers were jewish and they call him rabbi and i i quite like that um yeah.
0: when people say jesus was jewish I always feel like that phrase should come with a caveat Mm. because obviously Jesus was culturally Jewish, Jesus knew his Torah and the rest of it, but Jesus was the son of God and that mm. trumps literally everything else do you know what I mean it's true
2: but I, I do I know what you're saying that I think we often miss that incredibly important context of the Jewishness of, mm. of mm. where he came from and I think we can learn more if we know more about Judaism we can learn more about the context yeah. of our own faith mm. um,
1: so because you, you, you can't remove Christianity from Judaism because Jesus himself said he said you know I'm not here to replace Mosaic law I'm here to fulfill it so he's mm. Mm-hmm. Himself placing himself within that Jewish context, and I think that's what I did quite like about the um, uh, the chosen that it it wasn't just like oh there was this wise man who lived long ago he was Jewish it was uh, <laughs> yeah yeah you know it was yeah. it was yeah. in, inherent there and it was quite nice to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then my third point which I just really wanted to mention was my favorite favorite scene was when he heals Eden's mother and Eden's mother instantly gets out of bed and starts <laughs> making snacks for everyone um cuz it just reminded <laughs> me of my mum that was I'm your like, that
0: is your mum that going is my mum yeah. My mum
1: could, like, be lying on the floor with her uh, the stump of her leg bleeding on the carpet and she'd still be like, oh, I'm so sorry about the mess. Can I make mm. you a cup of tea? Yeah.
0: Nat's <laughs> mum is one of the most hospitable and wonderful women you will ever meet. <laughs> I remember, sort of, I've driven down, like, a few hours on a Friday night to come see him and uh, she come in, oh, hi, how you doing? I was a the driver? Okay. Oh, that's fine. Here you go, I've made you a bacon butty. Nat and Matt are upstairs. If you want to just go up and go see him, that's fine. You know, <laughs> absolutely I adore Christine. Yeah, I think America.
1: my mum... My would adopt you <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah 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 that sounds good to me yeah. and my dad the fact, actually <laughs>
1: the fact
2: that she was just sort of obliv- oblivious like what why am i in bed why is that yes thing? i love that me? let's go like come on let's get let's crack on let's make some food what are you all yeah.
1: doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no i just love that scene so it was so yeah, it was it a be lovely bit of humor
0: that wraps up our finding the faith in the film we have a review if you can believe it Ooh over on Facebook. God in Film is an engaging podcast that delves into the fascinating subject of religion in movies. The hosts are two awesome friends who, between them and their guests, provide insightful and nuanced perspectives on how these themes are portrayed in cinema. From Hollywood blockbusters to independent films, they explore the various ways in which filmmakers grapple with questions of God or themes of God versus traditional storytelling. Their discussions are well informed, thought-provoking, and accessible, making them a great listen for both listeners, for both believers and non-believers alike. The podcast production quality is also top-notch. Thank you, <laughs> making nice. it a pleasure to listen to. Whether you're a movie buff, a believer, or simply interested in exploring big questions about life and existence, Gordon Film is a podcast worth checking out. Highly recommended. And that comes from Ben Walker over on Facebook and we could not love Ben more at this point.
1: Thank you, Ben. Ben.
0: Okay, that wraps up our much longer than I expected to episode. Nat, Claire, have you had a good time?
1: Yay! Loved it. Always.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Okay, ladies and gents, our superhero season will be starting uh, very shortly. For our top tier patrons, you can listen to our Superman episode right now. I really... Hope you've forgiven me for the April Fool's episode that you had last week. I'm not sorry. I'd do it again. And
2: I told you no one would get it, Giles.
0: I don't (laughs) care. We're still doing it anyway. (laughs) And I hope you can join us for the rest of our season. (gasps) Bye! Bye. Gordon Film is hosted and created by Giles Goff and Phil Coleman. Mixing and editing by Giles. Our logo was designed by Julie Walsh and our theme tune was composed by Rick Lee Waffle Editing by Nick Matthews Gordon Film is a Dash production. Please rate and review. Unless it's a one star, in which case crowdfund a multi-part series about the life of Giles and how his ideas are just not that interesting.